0: Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, we're in the Thanksgiving season. Amen. A time of year we like to emphasize before we start
1: thinking about the Christmas season. (laughs) Yes, Scott. It seems as though once Halloween is over, our social mindset immediately turns to Christmas. Yep. And Thanksgiving is viewed almost as an interruption to society's focus on its March to December 25th. Yeah, you know, I think that Christians in particular, and I know it's a national holiday in the US, but Christians everywhere would do well to focus on Thanksgiving before we start diving into the season of giving. And let's not forget the receiving, <laughs> which is certainly the main attraction of Christmas for a majority of the population. That's true, <laughs> but giving thanks, at best, it's often overlooked. And at worst, it's despised, as we now live in a culture of entitlement. But enough of this negativity, Scott. (laughs) I want to encourage everyone to think about what they are thankful for, or perhaps take the time to consider what they can and should be thankful for. One of the things we can be thankful for is the ability to give. That's an excellent thought. If part of our response to being blessed by what we receive is to take pleasure in the opportunity it gives us to give to others, that would definitely result in an attitude of thanksgiving. You know, there's a verse which relates to that idea that I would venture to say a lot of people quote and don't even realize it's from the Bible. Are you referring to the golden rule? You mean do unto others as you would have them do to you? Yeah. Spoken by Jesus himself and recorded in Luke 6.31. Well, I'd say that's a statement often used like a proverb in our culture and certainly relates to the idea of giving. However, that wasn't the verse I was thinking of. The proverbial statement I was thinking of is from 2 Corinthians 9.7 which says, God loves a cheerful giver. Don't you think a lot of people who say that may not realize it's from the Bible? Well, maybe, but I definitely do think
0: that cheerfulness and gratitude go hand in hand. So a cheerful giver would almost assuredly be a grateful giver. Mm -hmm. But, Dr. Scripture, I'm beginning to wonder. Wonder about what? Well, what exactly do any of these things we've been talking about so far have to do with creation? (laughs) We usually do talk about creation on this program. (laughs) Are you saying what's the point, Scott? Well, not exactly, but what
1: is the point? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my friend, I can always count on you to keep me on track. Except when you get me off track. True. But anyway, the point I want to make about giving thanks, which also relates to the Thanksgiving holiday we will celebrate soon, is as we give thanks to God for the blessings he has bestowed upon us, he is often identified as the creator as we're talking to or about him. Wouldn't
0: you agree? Hmm. I remember It's probably been several years ago. You did a program connecting Christmas with the Creator, Mm -hmm. and recently a program on the Creator and the Resurrection. Now you're proposing a common connection between the Creator and Thanksgiving. Right. You know, I think we do. At least those who believe in God tend to connect God's role in creation or nature to the Thanksgiving celebration. And why do you think that is? I'd say because of the Creator's role in providing our needs, which are, for the most part, supplied by the earth, which He controls. The sun, the rain, the soil, all those things necessary for the annual production of food are things totally out of our control.
1: And so I would suggest it's not a coincidence that the Thanksgiving season is during or just after the harvest season. Good point. Now, we're no longer an agrarian society as we were, say, 100 years ago. But I suggest those who live in sprawling urban areas should get out of the concrete jungle once in a while and see for themselves where those vegetables on their dinner table come from and the corn or potatoes for the chips they snack on. And I'm not talking about a few miles outside of Atlanta, Georgia, or (laughs) Columbia, South Carolina. I'm talking about out, in what the city folk like to call flyover country. Out there, you can drive for 20 miles and never even see a house. There's nothing but fields of corn or beans or wheat covering vast acreages of land. And those expanses extend as far as the eye can see. In fact, much farther than you can see thousands of square miles of agricultural land. But then what I always notice are the huge silos here and there towering over the landscape, representing the abundance of grain God has given us. And it's those farming the land who are confronted daily with their dependence upon the one who controls the wind and the rain for not only their livelihood, but the roofs over their heads and the food on their table. Scott, I truly do believe when those who grab everything they eat off a shelf in a supermarket the size of a football field (laughs) actually see where the food on those shelves comes from, it makes a difference in their perspective on how dependent we really are on the elements which we cannot control. And hopefully it would result in gratitude. Gratitude to God, the creator and controller of all things. It's definitely true that
0: those who live off the land, so to speak, understand their dependence on the cooperation of nature for survival. And for those who believe in God, even if they don't believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they generally will make the connection between the creator and his control of nature. So, Dr. Scripture, as there are fewer and fewer people in our society living off the land— Do you think that contributes to the lack of acknowledgement given to God
1: for providing our needs? I absolutely do, Scott, and perhaps to some extent for the feeling of entitlement. Why would that be? Well, a person works at some job, not farming. They get a paycheck, they go to the store and buy what they want fully expecting to have all their familiar choices, not at all perceiving all the things which had to happen in order for those items to be there, things which were not just out of their control, but in fact out of anyone's control. But in generations past, there was much more of a cultural consciousness of the benevolence of God, God the creator and controller of nature, And one of the demonstrations of that appreciation and thankfulness was through the hymns written and sung by believers. So, in order to help us all look forward to celebrating Thanksgiving with perhaps a little more intentionality this year, I thought it would be encouraging to consider some of the lyrics of songs traditionally sung at Thanksgiving. Now, if you look in any hymnals index, you're going to find a big difference between the number of Christmas songs and Thanksgiving songs. A reflection of our culture's priorities. (laughs) Indeed. But usually there will be some hymns categorized as special times and seasons, and Thanksgiving songs will be among them. So, Scott, I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you think of a single what would be described as a Thanksgiving song? I certainly can. Come, ye thankful people, come. Excellent. And that was the first one on my list. That hymn's words closely reflect what we've been discussing. So what I want to do is read the words of some of this hymn. Let's alternate reading lines. Come, ye thankful people, come. Raise the song of harvest home. All is safely gathered in ere the winter storms begin. God, our maker, doth provide. For our wants to be supplied.
0: Come to God's own temple. Come, raise the song of harvest. Home. Doesn't that sound like something a congregation of farmers would sing after the harvest? Yes, it does. But as you pointed out, Dr. Scripture, the thoughts expressed are relevant for every person who eats,
1: (laughs) which pretty much includes everyone. Especially me. (laughs) (laughs) And what the hymn writer Henry Alford is doing is he's describing some of what we have to be thankful for, and then he directs our thoughts to the Creator saying, God our Maker doth provide. Now let's consider another hymn, often sung at Thanksgiving time. It's called For the Beauty of the Earth. You know, the beauty of the fall, the Thanksgiving season, at least in
0: the regions of the country that have a change in seasons, Mm -hmm. is definitely something that
1: demonstrates the creator's glory. And again, I would point out that beauty is observed by getting out of the environment of man-made stuff and letting God's creation speak, so to speak. So we're going to read some of the lyrics of For the Beauty of the Earth. And first, I want to point out, The connection this hymn draws between the creator and our giving thanks to him, which is in the chorus. It's just one line, but it identifies to whom we are speaking or singing. Scott, read the chorus. Lord of all,
0: to thee we raise this our hymn of grateful praise. Good.
1: So there the chorus, after each stanza of the hymn, is directing us to give grateful praise to the Lord. And each stanza describes what we can give thanks for. And as you notice, those things mentioned are the works of God in creation. That's true. So let's read the lines of the first two stanzas. You can go ahead and start, Scott.
0: For the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the skies. For the love which from our birth over and around us lies for the wonder of
1: each hour, of the day and of the night, hill and vale and tree and flower, sun and moon and stars of light. Then we come to the chorus again. Let's do it in unison, Scott. Lord Lord of all, all, to thee we raise, this our hymn of grateful grateful praise. And finally, we still have a little time left. There is one other hymn I'd like to consider that fits this theme we've been discussing, and it's All Creatures of
0: Our God and King. Oh, that's a great one. It's an ancient hymn written by Francis of
1: Assisi and a well-known song with a creation theme. Yes, and it's definitely appropriate for the Thanksgiving season as well. Now, I've edited the words just a bit leaving some of the repeated ones out, like uh, Alleluia and Praise Him over and over. And I've changed some of the words to a little more modern English, so it's easier to follow. So now let's read this great hymn of thanksgiving and praise to the Creator. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Burning
0: sun with golden beam, silver moon with softer gleam. Oh, praise Him. Rushing wind that is so strong, clouds that sail in heaven along. Rising morn in praise rejoice, lights of evening find a voice, Alleluia. Flowing water pure and clear, make music for your Lord to hear. Fire so masterful and bright, you give man both warmth and light, oh praise him.
1: And all you men of tender heart, forgiving others, take your part, O sing, Alleluia. You who long pain and sorrow
0: bear, praise God and on Him cast your care. O praise Him. Let all things their Creator bless, and worship Him in humbleness. Praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit, three in one.
1: O praise praise Him,
0: O praise Him. (laughs) Hallelujah!
1: That's pretty good, Scott. (laughs) Yeah, I could almost hear the melody as we were doing it. (laughs) And with thanksgiving, Shirley Francis of Assisi was echoing the thoughts of at least Psalm 103, verse 22, which says, Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says.